Hey y'all, welcome to Voices of the Body, the podcast. My name is Love Ashley Elaine, and I will be your guide as we continue on this journey of just understanding and hearing and learning our, our body's voice. This episode is going to be a really amazing interview that I did with Miss Savannah Crystal. Yes, she is the owner of Pachamama Yoga Shala in Kentucky. I met her in Peru such a sweet authentic soul and i can't wait for you all to hear her story on how she transmuted body shame from two pregnancies one that resulted in a miscarriage and just turned that into her power turned that into her work and turned it into something that can really be beneficial for other women and their families so you know the deal you know the move Prepare your mind, body, and soul as we get into this episode. One of my most favorite self-care regimens is to take long baths. Like I've literally just redecorated my whole entire bathroom to bring home my own spa experience. One of my favorite things to add are body scrubs. CB Soap and Candle Co. have the most amazing body scrubs. Like they're made with pure love, so much love, leaving my legs and my body and just everything feeling so good, like pure silk, like I've just renewed my whole entire body. Enjoy spa quality products in the comfort of your own home with CB Soap and Candles, Candle Co., Go to cbsoapandcandleco.com and use code VOTB, all caps, to get 10% off your order. So my last order, which I need to order more, that I made was Coco Cashmere, which is like, you want to go back into the black and white Hollywood films and feel like diamonds and pearls like Coco Cashmere does that at least for me the smell the smell is so like beautiful like the smell is gorgeous and it's really like the smell is really really nice for that transition into the fall right like that real grounding space um like a nice sandalwood but my fave, which I wish I brought like thousands of them, was passion fruit, guava, and mint. I brought passion fruit, guava, and mint when like around the spring summertime when we're in that nice transition from spring into summer. Sis, ma'am, sir, guy, all of y'all. Passion fruit and guava. First of all, I love, I love guava. I love guava. There's like this nice dance that the guava and mint do with like the passion fruit. And it's, 
it's 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 beautiful it's refreshing the mint is very refreshing and then just the smell of fruit it smells like fresh fruit with mint like your whole shower your whole bathroom still smells like it afterwards these scents are so authentic you can feel the love and the time that was made in curating these products and how thoughtful the pairing is it's so beautiful so so beautiful so go to cb soap and co candle co excuse me go to cb soap and candle co.com and use the code v-o-t-b all caps to get 10 percent off your order And welcome back. So uh, this portion portion of the show, I invite you to find a comfortable seated position. Allowing the body to come into a space of comfort and ease. And you have the invitation invitation here, excuse me, to allow your gaze to come down your nose or to just gently close your eyes altogether. And take a big breath in. And release. One more big breath in. And one more big breath in, bringing your shoulders all the way up to your ears. And hold your breath once you get it all the way to the top for four, three, two, one, and release. Allowing the shoulders to come back down, really keeping the heart space open, drawing the shoulder blades back and down the back as if you're trying to get them to reach, to touch each other. And I invite you to just bring awareness to your thoughts about your body. What are your current thoughts about your body? What has society told you that your body is supposed to do and what it's supposed to be like and what it's supposed to produce? What is your bloodline, your family, the people closer to you, closest to you, told you about your body? And what seeds did that plant for you? When you come into this space of identifying those seeds, identifying those words, identifying those thoughts, just just bring awareness to them without judgment. In this space, I give you permission to release shame, release guilt, release this idea of what your body is supposed to do and what it's supposed to be like and really allow yourself to connect with your arms, with your chest, with your stomach, with your hips, with your legs, with your knees, with your ankles, 
and with your feet. Knowing that everybody's body was designed for something different, was designed to look a certain way, was designed to produce something that another body can't produce. But to come into a space where you accept, you allow yourself to be, you allow words that you speak to be your truth over your body, that you understand the body is a container that allows us to continue to move along this journey, allows us to continue to grow and heal and produce and do the things that we are meant to do. And that that's the focus, that's the awareness, that's the, the mental space that we need to allow ourselves to be in. Because when the mind is aligned, when the mind is settled, it aligns with the body and the soul. What is your soul telling you about your body? What feels right? What feels good? Take a big breath in and release. Sounds drive. One more big breath in, bringing the shoulders all the way up to the ears, giving yourself a gentle hug. Keeping that hug, gently exhale, audibly sighing. And one more big breath in, really drawing the shoulders up towards the ears, keeping the chin in alignment, unclenching the jaw, really giving yourself a nice big hug. Yes, love on you, love on your body. And release. And just allow these three affirmations to move about in your mind and become an embodiment. I am in love with my body. My body has flaws that I adore and that I enjoy. My divine creator created my body to be and look and feel a certain way and I enjoy that and accept the people in my orbit who also enjoy me the way that I was designed and created to be. And take one more big breath in and release. And we will be right back. Anybody that knows me knows that coffee is my thing. I wake up in the morning, I get me a cup of coffee. I also truly enjoy teas. Teas are so healing for the body, mind, body, and spirit. 
Ocean Royalty Healing's mission is to lead through transparency as a vessel to inspire healing. Each of their products are made with pure love and with the intention to provide emotional healing. Whether you're indulging in one of their herbal tea blends or um, or their thoughtfully crafted intention oils, you do so with so much joy. Ocean Royalty is here to offer physical, spiritual, and emotional healing through the curative power of energy healing, herbs, and crystals. Try any of their products at OceanRoyaltyHealing.com for 10% off with the code Voices of Ocean. May peace and blessings reside with you always. And when you say healing energy, I can feel it, right? I never use products that I don't know where other people's hands are because healing comes from the hands. And these teas, amazing. I got the lavender chamomile tea to drink at night. And when I tell you the lavender is so potent, it hits you. And you like before you even take a sip, the the lavender coming from the cup with the nice steam when it's nice and hot, my eyes is ready to fall asleep. Like my eyes were closing just off the smell. Like I I was about to fall asleep with it sitting in my hand, right? And it also tastes so good, so good, so so good. It's so it's so pure. You can taste the purity in this tea. I've also used or drink, I still drink the goddess womb tea. The goddess womb tea, I highly recommend ladies uh, and men, you can buy this for your ladies, right? Um, to help ease cramps during our, our cycles, our moon cycles, during, after our cycles, right? To help bring blood flow back in, to help clean out anything that needs to be cleaned out, to keep our wombs healthy, ladies. This goddess womb tea is packed with vitamins, iron, magnesium, and antioxidants, and it's made with red raspberry, nettle leaf, hibiscus flower, orange peel, and rose hip. After I had my miscarriage, I was told that red raspberry, well, I Googled what I should eat, what I should drink, all those things. And I still, I haven't stopped drinking red raspberry tea. Red raspberry tea has been a saving grace. So this goddess womb tea is really good for clearing out any of those energies, right? Really restoring the womb and restoring the body. Our creativity comes from that space also. So go ahead and head over to OceanRoyaltyHealing.com for 10% off with the code Voices of Ocean. And welcome back to Voices of the Body. So another interview. Y'all, I'm like on a roll with this and I'm loving it, loving it, loving it, loving it. So I have with me today um, such a sweet soul. Like even when she talks, it's nice and gentle and I met her briefly in Peru. We didn't get to, to spend much time together because we ended up with COVID separately. Um, but Savannah is a 500-hour registered yoga teacher and a certified herbalist with special specialty training in prenatal and postnatal yoga, yoga for fertility support, and yoga for menstruating bodies. She's an advocate for women's health and is passionate about supporting people through personal situations that are often experienced as shameful or taboo. 
She's the owner of Pachamama Yoga Shala in Kentucky, where she and several other providers um, provide healing, education, and guidance to the community around everything related to the womb, from the beginning of menstruation to menopause and beyond. She deeply believes that her that true healing for all lies in pulling back from the glorified masculine energy of action and production and reestablishing a connection with the feminine energy of restore, of restoration and being. This realization began with her miscarriage, which put her on a path of self-discovery and helped her find purpose and passion in sharing this work with the world. Please help me introduce... Miss Savannah Crystal. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yes, we met in Peru. And I believe I had shared with somebody. You hadn't got there yet. I believe I had shared with somebody about my miscarriage. And they, um, it might have been Dr. Cree or Bonnie. I can't even remember at this point. And they were like, oh, when Savannah gets here, you need to chat with her. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, yeah, that's the work that she does, you know, when she created Pachamama. I was like, oh, that's cool, you know, because I just, I just want to, like, get connected with somebody around this. And then COVID hit. And I was just like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, really, let's start with... Um, just pregnancy, right? What has, what has your pregnancy journey been like? Right. So kind of, it all started with me kind of dropping out of college, like deciding that I was like, not really on the right path. And I went through this really big transitional year of like, I had been in education for a long time, but I decided that I didn't like the direction that education was going in the schools. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I kind of left that degree before I spent any more money on it um, and it kind of took a year to like reconfigure and everything changed in my life. I left a seven year relationship. Mm. I started a new relationship with um, the now father of my children and I got really attached to yoga coming into yoga. And after several years of practicing, I knew that like, okay, like education has always called to me. Like I want to become a yoga teacher. And so I began a teacher training, um, about five years ago, and it was just a couple months into that training that I became pregnant mm -hmm. with, um, my son mm -hmm. and yeah, there wasn't a lot of support or information around it. Um, in Kentucky, we just don't have a lot of things are kind of still a little bit backwards here in many ways. And, yeah. um, yeah, so I just think it was in that moment that I realized, a little bit of a calling even more so like it started with okay i feel called to educate through yoga to empower through yoga and then wow like i feel called to provide resources to uh pregnant bodies in this way as well mm -hmm. and so yeah it was really beautiful like being surrounded by a group of women in an education setting and i was pregnant and we were chanting you know and it was just like there was such loving energy around that pregnancy yeah um and I think I told you yeah like I taught all the way up to the day I gave birth which is crazy <laughs> yeah. yeah and they're like big old belly like you know, just making it work and at the time like I I the only resources that I had had for prenatal safety in yoga was just um like my own sort of research um Mm. and knowledge base. And so, um, it was cool. It was empowering, but also probably was doing things that weren't like the safest. Right. Right. <laughs> Knowing that now, <clears throat> yeah. um, 
but yeah, I think, you know, I went into my birth. I had done everything I could to educate myself and become like, um, I'm super natural. I'm gonna have a home birth doula midwife, like the whole nine yards like, mm-hmm. Spent my whole pregnancy being as healthy as I could. And, um, you know, I, I labored at home for 24 hours. And then that's when we had like a complication and we had to transfer to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So, um, I had an incredible, beautiful pregnancy experience. I loved it. It was deeply enriching. Um, it sort of sparked, right. It sparked the kind of light where all this started, but I think it was moving into this traumatic birth of like what happened at that hour 24 that really kind of lit the fire that went on to blaze mm-hmm. through you know what has transformed into my what I feel like is my soul work yeah 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 so and <clears throat> I remember when we spoke um with your first pregnancy now your son has been diagnosed with down syndrome, syndrome. Yeah. yeah that's correct Tell me, tell me about that. Like, what did, like, where was your mind when that came up and then, you know, the traumatic birth experience, all of that. Right. So, and so this is kind of, it contributed to the traumatic birth experience because we didn't know, Mm -hmm. um, even though I had done like all of the natural, like home birthing stuff, I was still working with uh, like a hospital provider. Mm-hmm. Um, I was still going to my OB and like the actual hospital as well. So I was working with two providers at the time. Yeah. Um, we did all the tests. Uh, I had all my ultrasounds and it was completely missed. Mm. Like somehow they never caught it. Like even despite the fact that we had been, you know, um, active, you know, in that. And at the time I was only 23. And mm-hmm. so the odds of it were just like completely so outlandish that it is just like off everyone's radar. Um, yeah. something like that might normally, um, risk you out of doing a home birth just because there can be, uh, heart complications are really common with down syndrome. Um, just some other stuff that they might want you to be in a hospital just to, to monitor that. But like I said, none of that was caught. And so, yeah, it was at that hour 24 that I started to push my son out mm-hmm. and his heart rate dropped immediately, um, to a point that was really concerning. Um, and so part of me having the home birth and feeling confident about that is that we're only like five minutes away from the hospital. So, um, it was a pretty, uh, as easy as it could have been transition. You know, my, my midwife told me like, okay, we need to go like to go. So I just remember, you know, like nakedly wetly, like climbing out of this birth tub baby is like in the canal, like, you know, coming out, uh, you know, pretty close and having to like put a robe on and go and sit in a car mm-hmm. And for anyone who's ever, um, given birth and you can know how hard it is to sit at that point. <laughs> unless there's a toilet under you or like yeah, a bowl, an openness, any firm structure under yeah. that area is just, you know, and so I'm, I'm riding in the truck, you know, like half on my side. And my poor husband was just like, um, he was so just white knuckling the wheel. <laughs> like he just kept telling me, just look at the moon, just look at the moon, you know, the whole way there. Mm. And, um, everything had been so beautiful up to that point. And it was at that point where we got to the hospital and, um, the, the hospital crew was just really cruel to me. Um, I think they were really disapproving of the fact that I had a home birth. Um, for some reason there were like seven nurses in the room, but they told me I was only allowed to have, and this was before COVID too. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. like there were some COVID restrictions. They told me I was only allowed to have 
um, two people in the room with me, even though there were seven of them just sort of standing around. Yeah. And they were, you know, like being kind of snarky and like laughing at me like struggling, obviously having a hard time. And I mean, they were helping too, but it just felt like such an uncomfortable experience. Mm. And so of course I was able to push my baby out. It only took 40 minutes actually Mm -hmm. from the time that I got to the hospital that, that Leo came. Um, and that's, I think it got worse at that point because at that point they knew he had down syndrome. I guess they could tell by looking at his features. Mm -hmm. I was completely oblivious. I was just like, I thought babies just came out squishy and their eyes, you know? And so I just, to me, I was just so thankful to be done and just absolutely in love. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think the judgment from them grew and there Mm -hmm. was some abuse that happened after that. Um, Mm -hmm. like forcing me to take a catheter and like, it was just, it was just really horrible. And they were all so just really cruel and what was a really difficult time. And I think it was the next day that we found out the pediatrician came in and told us, you know, we think he has down syndrome. And so that kind of like anyone who's had a traumatic birth knows in itself that that is like a really heavy experience Yeah. or even a, not a traumatic birth. It's still like, Whoa, your body has been to the extent of what your body is able to do and right. your mind and your emotions, all of that. And so then to take that whole experience and then on top of it, like add on this, um, it's unexpected. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a level of grief that comes with mourning and, you know, we'll probably, this will probably come up later in the conversation too, but about how you project this whole future of what your life is going to look like, right. Yeah. Like babies. And when you have a child with special needs and no matter what those look like is there's a moment of just of loss of that life. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a lot of judgment around saying that, or people who feel that way, it might seem like, you know, it's, you did have a baby. I think you can hold space for the duality. That's what yeah. I mean. Right. You yeah. have this beautiful experience of your baby is here. Um, everything is seemingly healthy. You know, he had no heart conditions, you know, obviously he was, you know, so well in that area was that they just didn't even know, you know? Yeah. And so there's that blessing, but then at the same time, it's like the immense grief and the loss that comes from feeling unprepared. Mm-hmm the guilt that comes with wondering, did I do something wrong? You know, like, did, did I do something to make this happen? Like we're feeling like I did everything that I could like to be so healthy and to take care of myself so well and to only be 23. It's like, well, what went wrong? Right. 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 Yeah. I'm going to have to have you back in uh, May (laughs) for children's mental health awareness month, because I think parents miss that part. Right. It's like, Mm -hmm we automatically go to what did I do wrong? What did my body not do? What did, you know, what could I have done different? I did everything that I could, you know, all these different things that shame and blame and, you know, Mm. kind of taking on that guilt. But parents, parents don't really, and working in early childhood mental health, right? I see it all the time. Parents aren't really, you know, ready to grieve that their child is like may not be able to do X, Y, and Z, or, you know, we, we have this idea baby in our head and Mm -hmm. then there's the actual baby and we, we have to grieve that, right. We have to grieve what that looks like. Just like we have this ideal relationship in our head and then we get something different. Um, Mm -hmm. So powering forward, right. Um, 
what so what happened when like the now the miscarriage right like tell me about that experience yeah so um after leo was born you have this whole like <laughs> i'm never doing that again oh <laughs> this like, is crazy <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> how do people do this over and over again and i remember the nurses laughing at me they're like yeah we hear that all the time <laughs> um, and uh, it was, I want to say, um, probably about two or three years later that, um, I got pregnant again mm -hmm. and with Leo, it was planned. I think with the second one, it was probably just a night of one too many margaritas. And we just, <laughs> you know, Hey, I feel like we're in the colada. <laughs> Get um, but it felt like, you know, we were in a really good place and it was like, okay, you know, like it, it felt okay. Um, at that point, COVID was around. And so there were some concerns with that, mm -hmm. but it was just, um, it was just like, all right, we were going to roll with it. And we were really excited. And, you know, with my first, I hid my pregnancy for like six months. I think I told you. And then with this one immediately, I was like, I'm pregnant. Like <laughs> I'm excited. And you should be too. Right. <laughs> um, we got another cutie coming, like get ready. Um, yeah. So it was just like, it was a lot of joy, unexpected joy, but like readiness and mm -hmm. And like, you know, you say from that point, it's like mind projection. Like I'm imagining my, you know, three babies, you know, cause mm -hmm. I have my stepdaughter who, you know, she's been in my life for six years now. And so mm -hmm. this whole family relationship of, oh, imagining, you know, if I, what that would look like. Right. Mm -hmm. and, um, so that was in November of 2019 that I found out that I was pregnant, um, you know, like I said, we had made it through COVID pretty unscathed at that point. And we were just kind of like, I think uh, Keenan Thompson made a joke once. that's like, I've learned not to say that of like, I'm doing all right. Because <laughs> the minute you say it, right. It's just like, <laughs> mic <Yeah>. drop. <laughs> and so, yeah, that kind of like, it just started this whole downward spiral of like, um, you know, we lost my husband's grandfather just mm -hmm. to old age, but it was hard. And then we lost my grandfather to COVID in December and, then my dad ended up in um, intensive care with a really bad case of COVID. And it's just so much fear, I think. And that yeah. pregnancy was just like, it was keeping me grounded and rooted. Um, a couple of weeks later, I found out that I had like lost my sister in a really, you know, traumatic, horrible event. Hmm. And um, it was just days after that, that it was like, okay, well, we're going in, we're getting our like first big ultrasound and we're really excited, potentially like finding out, um, the sex of the baby, if, if, you know, if that matters, but it's just, you know, all of the things that get, you get excited about. Absolutely. And yeah, we went in and, um, they just, yeah, there was no heartbeat. Mm. And, um, I think that was just kind of like, it just felt in that moment, like, whoa, like, I felt like I was living a weird dream because mm. it was just kind of, that moment of you always feel like the universe is conspiring for me, like the universe is. And now I can recognize, yes, the universe was still conspiring for me, you know, yeah. but in that moment, I just felt like, man, everything is stacked against me. Like how much more could you expect to put on my plate right now? And for me to carry. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that was devastating to, to, to not have any space to hold for any of those losses, you know, bang, mm -hmm. bang, 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 bang. And then to still be 
a mom at that point and mm. having to take care of, you know, your babies who are here and just feeling like there's no space for you to move through that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I like, oof, it's almost like when grief happens, it's like, all right, since we're in it, let's just go. Right. Cause before I had my miscarriage, my son went to go live with his dad before that. Um, my great grandmother had passed away her, uh, like another, one of my grandmother's siblings had passed away three months before that me and a best friend of like 15 years, our friendship ended. Right. So it's like, all this, like, it, it's like grief is just like, all right, let's just run the track. Like, like, let's just run the marathon now while we're on it. And it's like, when do you even get a second to just stop? <laughs> right. And then, you know, mothering is, is a ghetto in itself. Like to still have to, <laughs> to still have to do that. Also, it's just like, well, can you like, can, can you take care of yourself today? Is that possible? No. All right, let's do this. No. Yeah. Um, so at that point, right. What was going through your head about just your body? Yeah. And so I think after they told me that, that, you know, there was no heartbeat, there was a whole conversation that kind of opened up about like my history of my history of had I had any miscarriages before, or, you know, had I um, had any children before and kind of what the story with that was. And so, you know, I'm sharing a little bit of my history with the doctor at that time. And um, this was a new doctor because my OB quit the practice. And so I actually traveled across state lines to go see a doctor that was a part of a um, birthing center. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to do birth in a birthing center this time instead of, and we don't have anything in Kentucky. So I drove all the way North to go see them and just kind of retelling my medical history there, um, you know, brought up the fact that at 23, I'd had um, a son with Down syndrome and um, yeah, I don't know, like they had been very nice and very sweet up until that point, but there was something about the co- a comment about, well, maybe you just have bad eggs. Maybe the quality of your eggs is bad. And that's why, mm. you know, it could have been, and I think they said it could have been another case of that and your body just terminated it because it wasn't a viable pregnancy or something. And there's all these statistics about how, you know, it really is incredible when certain, um, with people with certain disabilities are born because, you know, oftentimes they're less likely to come to term in the womb. And so I'm always, I I see my son as a miracle baby and just so strong and incredible. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, no, I think it was definitely when I, when I gave birth to my son and we're in the doctors and we're talking about, cause we're just trying to figure out what the process was. How did that happen? And at that time they told me, well, your, your eggs, something did did wrong with your eggs. When the, the chromosomes were splitting in your egg, you in your body, something went wrong. Mm. So again, I'm getting this message that something's wrong with your body. Right. Yeah. And in our culture, in our society, you know, we have this idea that like making babies is one of the most natural things that happens. It's one mm-hmm. of the easiest, you know, when we talk about sex, it's basically babies happen and that's <laughs> that. And there's, it's an equation, a plus B equals C. Right. And, you know, you and I both know there's so many nuances to that. And, um, but it's just such a toxic idea. Yeah. And so this whole upbringing, this cultural conditioning that I have, right. That 
this is literally, and not to mention that when we think about our ancestors, like our, like the, the women in our lineage were there to make babies. Yeah. They didn't have much purpose other than maybe making babies, right. Yeah. Yeah. Caring for those babies. And so, you know, you consider the ancestral aspect of the trauma of, you know, women are made to make babies. If that's just that idea, you know, and Mm -hmm. culturally making babies should be easy and natural. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, my body has what, according to the doctors, messed up two pregnancies now. Mm. And so, yeah, there was a deep sense of just what is wrong with me, you know, and I've always kind of struggled with body image and, you know, like self-love too. It's been a huge journey for me. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of always identified with the mother archetype as far as like caretaking, you know, I was taking care of my younger sibling at a very young age. I went on to be kind of the mama of the friend group, the, you know, in work, always checking on people and taking care of people. And so it's something that I heavily identified with too, is that the mothering, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so it was almost this deep soul wound of like, man, even this thing that's so important to me, like I can't do right, mm. you know? Wow. And yeah. yeah, it was, it was, um, it was devastating and yeah. emotionally in that aspect. Yeah, that makes me think about like women who go through IVF and, mm-hmm. you know, it's like they like they have to go to that length of trying to have a baby. Right. I can only imagine what that mental space or, you know, what kind of shame they might be feeling. It's like I have to actually go to lengths of having someone inject like, you know, and do all these other scientific like I'm a science project now I can't even naturally get pregnant but then there's like my 17 year old cousin just had a baby you know like it's it's so right it's so weird how you know that narrative that fairy tale that we see even when even when it's like oh don't have sex like you're not supposed to have sex and like you said it's like it goes straight to because you'll get pregnant. It's like, well, you know, and then it's like, we'll use condoms because you'll get pregnant. It's like, okay, well, and it's like, we're trying to get pregnant or, you know, we're at an age where we can take care of the baby. And it's like, just not happening, not happening. Yeah. Um, so what was, what was your healing journey? Like, right. Like, cause it's, that's a, that's a lot of, you know, body shame that comes up between, having a baby, right. That has now, um, a condition that can't really be changed. Right. But it can be managed and, you know, he, he can still thrive. Right. And then ending up having a miscarriage, right. Like what was that healing journey like for you? Yeah. Well, you know, initially it brought up a lot of that guilt, um, Mm -hmm. again, of just like, uh, feeling like, you know, I had been self-destructive in my body and maybe that could have caused that. And it's interesting how that just creates more self-destructive behaviors, right? Like for Mm -hmm. some reason, you know, self-love never comes from, you know, that feeling of not being good enough. Self-love comes from, you know, feeling like you're good enough as you are already. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to reach out to. Like, fortunately, my mother-in-law, she had, um, I want to say she had five or six miscarriages before she gave birth Mm. to my husband. And so she was an element of support for me during that time. But I think she was raised in a different time too, where it was also kind of like, well, it sucks and it's hard, but you know, 
we move on with it. We try again, you know, yeah. it was kind of the mentality and it was like, I'm here for you, but it wasn't everything that I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so fortunately at that time, I was really close with one of my teachers and mentors who um, works with similar things. She's more focused on pregnancy and um, before and after, mm-hmm. you know, working with couples and baby and me type classes. And she was really an element of support. And I think I told you that at first she had offered me all these things that I could go and do, come be a part of this circle, help me work on this and whatnot. Yeah. And then she retracted that and was like, actually, you need to go into a, a space. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to retreat into a cave maybe and, and be with yourself for a little bit. And um, at the time I felt really hurt by that because I was like, I need a distraction. I don't need to be with this. I didn't want to sit with it at the yeah. time. I wanted to go and, and just busy myself with something else. And, um, now I'm just really so grateful that she asked me, you know, that she encouraged me to do that. Um, And I did, you know, I, I went, I think I told you right after the miscarriage, it was literally the next day we had had a trip planned to Michigan Mm -hmm. and we went up there and I just spent a lot of time really quiet and, you know, alone. Um, it was in February. So it was like, we were staying on the edge of Lake Michigan and there was, you know, probably 30 feet of ice going out onto the lake and you could just sit there. And if you're, if you've ever seen one of the great lakes, you know, that it's almost like you're on the ocean because the water just stretches so far. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just remember like going into, we had a really private woodsy cabin and I just went there and my body felt so numb just from the experience. I'd been in so much pain from the miscarriage, like in passing, because it's a birth, right? Yeah. Your birth, yeah. you know, it's the same. You have the contractions, the opening of the cervix. If you're far enough along, you have literally the growth of a whole extra organ, the placenta, mm. right? And then you have the separation of the placenta, leaving a massive wound basically in your uterus that takes mm-hmm. time to heal. And those contractions last, you know, for days after even. Um, and so I had just been in such a physically painful space that I was just numb to it. And I just remember going into those private woods and just stripping down and laying on the ice and just that feeling of aliveness sort Mm -hmm. of, of the intensity of that, like waking up to all of the sensations in my body. And, you know, I think that's the goal of the yoga practice too, is to become connected to what's present, you know? And it was like, it took my brain where it had been trying to dissociate from my body into a deep experience um, Mm. within the body. Yeah. And so that was kind of like the start, you know, of like, of like, okay, I I do. I think I realized at that point, I do have to sit with this, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. for a minute. And I do what, like what I always do when I go through grief and trauma is I write, I've always been like a writer. And so with my birth, I, I wrote my birth story. And then I even did a part two of like finding out Leo's diagnosis mm-hmm. and I'll write it and I'll just read it mm-hmm. and I'll read it until I'm no longer crying. And then I'll put it away and then I'll get it back out and I'll read it again and see yeah. if I'm still crying and holding space for that somewhere in my body and then letting it go. Yeah. And so, yeah, I turned to that and I started to write. And I think that was when I started to feel a sense of power in it. And I think that power started to awaken me to, okay, there's something more in my body than just, I messed up, right? My body is calling to me to remember something, right? Mm-hmm. In, a, in an interesting way. And that was the start of that. Uh, was just, 
And, you know, it's interesting. I talk about like being that mother archetype. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because I was always struggling so badly to give love to myself that I felt if I was giving love to others in some way that, that I was, I don't know, valuable or, or whatnot. And I think more than anything, this, my miscarriage awakened me to how to mother myself and to how to love myself. Mm. Um, I think that, you know, that's something that I'm really grateful. I don't believe that there's necessarily a reason. I don't like that. Well, there's a reason for everything, but mm-hmm. both, both and, and. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we can take those experiences and, you know, transmute them, you know, and, and alchemize them into, into something that can bring depth and, um, texture yeah, to our life. <sighs> Oh God, Savannah. <laughs> I know, that was a lot. <laughs> no, that was beautiful because I, I like it's that dark night of the soul, right? It's, 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 and some people are afraid to touch that. Some mm-hmm. people are really afraid to touch that. I got chills right now, but it's like, I like, I want to discover everything that's within my soul right that yin that yang that light that dark the ups the downs the 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 joy the pain the sorrow all of those things so when you when your body hit that ice like that like all I said when you said it all I saw was like an awakening right like just like just this 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 moment of like just opening, right? Like you, like you, like, like we have to first open ourselves to our, to ourselves. Right. And once we give ourselves permission to be with ourselves, open ourselves to ourselves, be vulnerable to ourselves with ourselves, all those things. Right. And then you're able to, to give yourself grace and compassion. Like I literally just pulled the grace card when I got oh. home from, yeah, when I got home from work because of what oh, we good. talked about earlier. Right. So, and then the freedom comes <laughs> and then the awakening, come, like literally. <laughs> so wow. Yeah. So it's like you like to uh, that, like you're, and even you saying like my body wanted me to remember something hmm. that's, that's powerful. That's powerful because we keep like, we keep wanting to just forget everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that that's really how that's supposed to work. Right. If you really pay attention to what your body is asking you to remember, something mm-hmm. births out of that place, something grows from that place, something like arises from that place. Right. And even just hearing you say you felt power and just writing your story like rewriting it right because like it's almost like I have to re-trigger myself to mm-hmm. heal myself like I have to keep remembering to be able to move forward I have to keep um touching the wound a couple times so that you know I can I can heal it right like people are always like oh in order to heal you have to stop touching it I don't really that's not yeah, because no, because now you have an infection if you don't touch it. If you're not tending it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. And sometimes that- it hurts. Yeah, sometimes it hurts to get in there and clean it out. 
and, you know, bandage it back up again. And then you have to take that bandage off and make sure that it's still doing okay under there, you know, and I know I agree. I love how you said something about like experiencing the full range, right? It's like, I have this deep belief that we are the universe coming to experience itself uniquely for the first time, right? Despite every person that's ever lived, there's not going to be an experience that is like this, right? Mm. Mm. I I'm finally to a point where I'm not asking for bad things to happen to me, which bad is, you know, what's good and bad, but I am to a point where I'm like, I want to feel the depth of what's possible, right? This body was a vessel that was given to me, right? To give into spirit for my spirit to come down here and experience what all is able to be experienced in, in the world, right? And in a human life. And we have such a limited amount of time that I don't know. I think that, like you said, the fairy tale is, is the fantasy. We want to live this happily ever after, right? But what is life without the strife and the making it through that, the overcoming, that is beauty, mm. right? That yeah. is layers and texture. And I want to have, I want to have a 10 story cake, right? Not just like one little, mm-mm, no, yeah. we want like a full wedding done to the, you know, tips of, of the experience. I want to know it all. And to know that it's possible to go to such a depth and to rise still. Mm -hmm. And maybe to, maybe to know that it's even possible to go further and deeper and just, and just to know that that expands me. Right. Yeah. I can't continue to rise higher. Right. If I'm only here right now, I can't rise any higher unless I go deeper and then I can rise up again, you know, and, and it just, every time we go to those opposites or those extremes, we just find ourselves being stretched wider and wider and just able to be more full. And then you grow wings Yes, <laughs> and you take off. Oh gosh, you speak in my language. <laughs> it's so true. Like you, and that, and to use your analogy about the 10 layer wedding cake, right? That 10 layer, that 10 layer wedding cake lets, lets me know that I'm alive. Let's mm-hmm. me know that I'm living. Let's me know that I'm experiencing. Let's me know that I've like, I, I'm, I'm living in the duality of just what this is. Right. That takes me to, um, uh, a Bible verse, um, where, so my son, right. One day we're driving and he says to me that his, that someone told him that boys aren't supposed to cry. No, oh, I was just no. like, right. Oh, listen, oh, that's, no. that's a whole nother podcast episode. <laughs> listen, I'm like, you got the wrong parent if that's the case, because I'm going to tell you to cry, scream, laugh, all the things. And I was just like, well, I said, you know, buddy, you know, God gave us tear ducts because he knew life was going to be what it is. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a scripture in the Bible. And there's also one of my favorite gospel songs. Um that talk about like God knew that there would be sorrow. Mm. Like we're, we're going to experience sorrow, but you, you can't have this, you can't have joy without experiencing sorrow. Right. Mm. Because if you, if you only have joy, think about it, you live your whole life only living in joy. And that minute sorrow hits. Yeah. That's it. Mm -hmm. You might not know 
ever learn how to come back from that. But when you are in this, this ebb and flow, this wave, this roller coaster of the ups and downs, like I've, I've, I've gotten to a point now where I tell people, well, today I'm good (laughs) today. (laughs) This is what I'm feeling. I don't know about tomorrow and yesterday was pretty shitty, but today I'm good. Right. It's like we, we, God, God didn't promise us just joy. He didn't promise us just sunshine, sunshine, right? Like the sun comes out and then it goes down and then the moon comes up. Like everything has its time. Everything has its place. So when you give yourself permission to really go in and sit with that darkness Oh man, the things you, the treasures you find in there, the the treasures you find in there. Wow. Wow. Oh, Savannah, you just made my soul just like, (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, so as we're talking about like the, the darkness, the dark night of the soul, right? Right. Tell me how, like what, at what point did you like kind of come out of that and um I just had like a vision of a dream that I had as we're talking about this this is crazy um how like how did you get to a place of building Pachamama yeah so I think um it had been something that had been brewing you know since that becoming pregnant like it all sort of was just like these little stones building up, you know, Mm -hmm. and after the miscarriage and taking some time off that mentor that I was telling you about, she actually got me, um, she was, you know, hold on one second. You guys caught that, right? She said she took some time off. (laughs) Yeah. I just want everybody to hear that because everybody's job is probably going to hate me because I advocate strongly for mental health leave. I advocate strongly for people just taking naps. I advocate strongly for people taking time off my best friend to this moment. Like, I feel like I've rubbed off on her. Cause she's now like, <laughs> I don't want to do nothing. I was like, yes, girl, but go ahead. I'm sorry. I just wanted, to, I, I just want everybody to hear that. Like you're allowed to take time off. Yeah. Well, and not only are you allowed to, but ultimately you have to, And if you don't, your body will eventually make you. It's one of those things, the more that you, the more that you pull from your well, like there's going to get to be a point where there's nothing left to pull out. And whether it's sickness, depression, anxiety, whatever, if it's physical, mental, spiritual, it's going to catch up with you. And eventually it's going to knock you down and you're going to have to, you're going to have to sit back and replenish those stores, whether you want to or not. Mm -hmm. So, um, sorry to cut you off. I just wanted, I just, I just needed everybody to catch that. (laughs) And everybody needs to hear it because we live in a society that tells us, and that's what I mean by that masculine energy of production and action, like masculine and feminine, those aren't necessarily male or female, right? They just have to do with the type of energy that's being moved, you know, like, so Yeah. Like we have to step back from feeling like we always have to go to be valuable and take care of ourselves to mother ourselves. Right. Absolutely. And so I did, I I took time to mother myself and, you know, just sat with that experience for a while. And my mentor, it was just the timing of things sometimes is incredible, but Mm. she was planning to do a first of its kind. Like there's not a whole lot of it out there, but yoga for fertility support. 
Mm. And it was one of those things that was like, either whether you're having, um, challenges getting pregnant, or if you just want to have more of a conscious entry to pregnancy and, um, like, you know, instead of like, Hey, let's have a baby, like, Hey, let's get our bodies, um, nourished. Well, let's get our minds nourished. Well, our spirit, um, taking that time. It was just all around, like how to support people on that journey. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I'm a writer and that's part of why she kind of brought me on her team was because she's really good with all of the information. She knows everything so deep and wide and expansively, but she's like, you make it sound really good. (laughs) (laughs) So I helped her write and edit the entire manual for the course. So I I was very deep in the knowledge um, and the sharing of that information. Um, And yeah, I was just kind of like, wow, like the whole reason I started on this journey is because I didn't feel supported. And here I am, I've spent years in that, right. I've been, I've spent years sort of taking in, Mm -hmm. you know, forming and shaping myself into being a leader in this field. And I felt ready going through my miscarriage alone and not having any resources for that felt, it felt devastating because I couldn't connect to community, but Mm -hmm. in that I had to turn within. And again, I had to connect with you know, my, my great grandmother who, um, lost her son, you know, and my, after he was born Yeah, I went back and I connected to those ancestral moments. I connected to all of the people who have ever given birth and lost a child who have ever been pregnant and lost a pregnancy, um, who have ever experienced, you know, giving birth to death in a way, you know, Mm. and that, I was like, man, this needs to be more available. And so I started to, I just started to see like, what, what can I do? How can I, I knew that here in Kentucky or in Bowling Green specifically, we have so many yoga studios. It's like for, for it being a a relatively small little city, there is an insane amount of yoga studios (laughs) and such a, like array of experiences. And I think it's beautiful and wonderful. Everyone can get what they need, but yeah. I knew in my heart, like, I'm not going to be able to open a yoga studio. And, and that's not what I wanted. I didn't want to open a yoga studio. I wanted to open a center where people could come for resources, Mm -hmm. whether it be the physical, the mental, the spiritual, the community, I wanted to be able to have that connection. Yeah. And so, um, at that time I had already been connected to so many people and it was interesting how more people came into my life. Like I had just met, um, one of my now good friends, um, her name's Tori and she struggles with, um, endometriosis, mm-hmm. um, to the point where she had several heart attacks and almost died. Like it affected her so badly from the surgeries and everything that she had had. And she was just so impassioned too, of like, I want to be, I want to provide. And I, that's something that I was, I recognize I can't provide support for those people. I don't understand their unique experience. Yeah. Um, and I had a really good friend with PCOS, you know, I had been working with the midwives and the doulas. I had been working with local witches and womb healers and, and, you know, people who serve an entire array of whatever your belief system is. We wanted you to feel safe and held here. Like you could come and receive support Mm -hmm. and we can all connect around our similar experiences and then heal from that that and sharing in community. And so, yeah, I kind of just built this team and we were all like, all right, we're in. So, um, we started from that, the Pachamama collective, basically where you could come and we had childbirth education classes that we're offering. We have, um, prenatal yoga classes. Um, 
we have uh, like support groups where you can come and talk about things. And we have all kinds of resources available in the studio. Um, but yeah, it probably took around six months to just really plant that seed and watch it grow. And being only 27, it felt like a huge accomplishment to buy my, like to lease my own brick and mortar space, like, and have that going and to feel like I was bringing this team of people together to transmute what was a really difficult experience for me into hopefully more healing for the community. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, what did the grief journey look like for you? Oh, I mean, I think I'm still on it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I don't think, Um, yeah, it never really stops, but getting to that space of like, okay, I'm in this now. Like, what did that, what did that look like for you? Yeah, I think it, it looked, you know, like, um, being really intense in the beginning, you know, and then once I started working again, I had this feeling like, oh, I'm fine. You know, I'm fine. It's good. We're done. We're moving on. And then it's interesting because I have this experience with my children too, right. Where you'll have these days where everything's just wrong, Mm -hmm. like everything's wrong in the world. And it's like, are you really mad that that took two minutes longer than it should have taken or is something else going on? You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? There's something under, under the skin, right? Yeah. And so I'd say that my grief journey really just looked like realizing every time that I stopped paying attention to that connection with my body, that feeling that I had on the ice, right? That awakening, that was a moment of like, Hey, this isn't something that we just get to, we arrive and it's there and it's good forever. It's something you have to keep coming back to and foster and, um, spend time with. And so I think part of my grief journey has just been learning how to be in my body more and noticing because right the the body doesn't have judgments about those experiences it's the mind right the mind that judges you know what comes up and so I think just you know learning to silence the mind open the heart be Mm -hmm. in the body Mm -hmm. um that was my biggest thing and it just took time and realizing that you know, every, every day that I wake up and I don't feel good enough, you know, just sitting without what's there, right. What's, what's there in that experience. Is it something from my childhood? Is it something from my adult years, you know, and, and just giving space to that. And mm-hmm. a lot of times it helps me to go back and, and hold little Savannah, you know, sometime where, mm-hmm. where she was just, you know, she didn't do something right for the first time, you know, and be with her in that. And so, Um, yeah, I don't know. My grief journey was just in and out of it for Mm -hmm. that that six months. And even still, you know, even when I'm in a room full of people, I I feel like I can hold space and I can be that. But after that, I have to go home and I have to tend to me, like what comes up with me Yeah, because those scars are still there. Even if the wound feels healed, you Mm -hmm. know, those scars are still there. And just knowing that those scars aren't something to be shameful of, but something that something that just makes me, you know, yeah, special. <laughs> and yeah, in some yeah, absolutely. Like you're, you've, you've turned the, the scar into something beautiful, right? Yeah. Um, the, God says he gives you, he gives you beauty for ashes. So it's like the things that we endure, the things that we go through and actually tend to right Mm -hmm. that that's the part right you can't get you can't get beauty from anything that you don't tend to 
right? So you think about flowers. If you don't water them, if you don't pull the dead leaves off, if you don't make sure that they're, you know, fertilized really well, add more fertilizer or dirt if you need, if you don't tend to it, it's not going to grow the way it needs to, right? So when we tend to those wounds, right? Like you said, oh, something's coming up. Let me sit with this, right? Yeah. You tend to it and you just blossom a little bit more. You blossom a little bit more. You blossom a little bit more. So that's beautiful. And the I think the work that you're doing with Pachamama, listen, I'm trying to like have you replicate that all over the place because <laughs> it's, it's, it's so needed, especially for black and brown women. Yeah. Um, where there's, you know, a high, a high risk of mortality in women, black and brown women who give birth. Um, and just even trying to really understand why, like what, like what that looks like. And I think the, the education that you are giving women, especially young girls, right. When they start their menstrual, um, it, it, that it's that's a beautiful thing because this body does a lot the female body does way too much to be exact so it's like if I can get a if we can get a better understanding of what happens in it right like what's what's going on with our bodies how do we prepare our bodies for babies and you know not even just for babies just just take care of it and nurture it and, you know, what's going, like, just have more knowledge and awareness of what's going on in our bodies that, like, you're saving lives already. You're right. Saving, saving lives already. So that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what they say, like, the purpose of yoga, right, is just to unite, right? Yoga is not just the postures that we're doing on the mat or, or, you know, the workout that comes from that, but it's really just uniting mind, body, and spirit. And it's just, it's a travesty that, you know, we have generations of, of childbearing bodies that aren't being taught whether they, you, I mean, there's so much information about if you don't want to have a baby, right. Then you should know how to care for your body in a way that would, that would, you know, to give you that choice. And yeah, yeah, I think that drives me right. Is like just realizing I feel cheated, right? Like mm-hmm. why, why, who took this from us? Like yeah. someone bring into my office. We're gonna have a talk. <laughs> uh, this was not in the script. Yeah. This is we're not. Just, <laughs> we're flipping the script, right? And then yeah. we're we're just I'm just doing what I can to try to make a difference, right? And that's the point of it. That's the dark night of the soul, right? Is not there's a reason for it, but can you take this unique experience that you've been given and make a difference with it? Right. Yeah. Even if it's just for yourself, right. Can it bring you a little closer to who you are? Yeah. Yeah. My pastor always says you have to make your difference, Mm -hmm. right? Like what, what you're supposed to be doing and it has to start with you. Um, yeah. What was your yoga practice like in your grieving space? Um, or as it, you were, you know, in the, in the thick of it, in that dark night of the soul. I think that, um, it was hard for me because there were times where it would feel like too much, too much would come up. Right. It's like moving my body would feel like, and I think that's part of the reason that we come back to yoga as we experience that first time. Oh, something's getting shook up here. Something's getting loosened up. Right. And it bubbles yeah. up and you, maybe you cry or maybe you feel really uncomfortable or frustrated. Um, and so in the beginning, I kind of like turned away from the physical practice a little bit um, just because it would feel really intense. And I think I just did more sitting. 
at the time I had a really big garden. We lived in a house that was only 780 square feet and my garden was like 1600 square feet. (laughs) I'm living out here guys. (laughs) And I would, I would wake up, but, and it just started happening naturally where I would wake up, you know, before the sun and I would literally just go and sit in my garden. Mm -hmm. And that was my yoga practice at the time, right? That was my um, moving my body would, would feel like a little too much is feeling unearthed here. And it was like, rather than going out and ripping all the weeds up in one day, I just felt like, okay, today. And I would literally do that. Sometimes I would go and I would tend to one garden bed. It was almost like a, a literal along with that metaphorical internally. Yeah. Just sitting still and being in nature. Mm-hmm. That, that was kind of my yoga at the time. That was my, um, expression of that, uh, And I felt like the more I started to slowly reconnect to my body, the more easy it was to find my way back to the mat. Yeah. And, um, I hadn't been teaching at all at that time. And so, uh, it was really nice as, you know, Pachamama came to form. I was able to really get back on the mat again and hold space in a, in a, and if you're a yoga teacher or if you share yoga, right? Like what's a yoga teacher. If you're in front of a room and you're sharing, you know, yoga with other people, you recognize like how, you know, just empowering that is to just lead people through this expansive practice. Mm -hmm. And, um, it took time, but I'm, yeah, I'm definitely grateful for that realization. That's what my body was asking for. It was like, not so much movement right now. Like, can we just deal with this? Right. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Wow. That's powerful. Um, <laughs> what has this experience taught you about you? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I kind of taught on that or, or talked on that earlier a little bit as far as um, part of me realized that I needed to mother myself. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talk about, I always love to tell people if, if you can, um, if you can birth something else out of this, right? What can you, what can you take all of that creative energy when you're ready, right? And you like can birth something else. It doesn't have to be a baby. You don't have to try again, but you can, maybe it's just literally growing a plant or whatever, something simple, or maybe it's something much bigger. And so for me, yeah, I learned that I need to mother myself. And interestingly enough, I think I actually came to realize that I don't like, um, having to take care of a lot of things, right? <laughs> this was the first time that I started to sit with myself more. I yeah. never, I just always been so busy with other things that I had never just gave myself that time mm. in starting to give myself that time. I was like, wait a minute, I'm giving a lot away like on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. And I think now of like, wow, like how much, um, how much space I need to feel grounded and steady in my life. And so I'm really thankful for the lesson that came from that of, of girl, you gotta, you gotta have time for you too, you know? And, Mm -hmm. um, it taught me that. Yeah. It taught me how to create more for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what advice would you give someone, um, who knows somebody that has experienced a miscarriage, a miscarriage and, and, or is dealing with like that body shame. Yeah. So if you know, if you know someone who's experienced this carriage, um, first of all, like be super aware of your language. I would mm. say like, one of the first things, like we have a tendency and it has to do with our culture and our conditioning to 
focus on the silver lining or the positive of like, well, this experience could have been worse. Right. And I think it comes from like, even from when we're little, shh, like everything's okay. Shh, like, yeah. and it's, it's a soothing, right. We want people to feel better, but healing comes from being in that pain, right. It's being in the grief you can't just sweep it under the rug. Are you going to be tripping on it? Um, and so, yeah, watch your language, like saying things at least type statements of at least it happened early, or at least you can get pregnant or, you know, at least, at least, or, you know, or like what they told me, there was probably something wrong, you know, and at mm-hmm. least your body needed to take care of that. Like those are devastating statements to hear when you're in grief. So just being really mindful, like focus more on validating their experience. How can you be with them in that feeling instead of trying to encourage them out of it? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, just realizing people have been through a, a traumatic loss and b also a physical trauma of the birth. Like that's a big thing. Like what do we do for people after they give birth? We make them meals, right? We go and we offer to help them with their house. If they have children, we offer to take the children for time. If they're alone and maybe we offer to take them out, you know, mm-hmm. just, and I think part of that is asking, what do you need? Yeah. And then realizing that they might not always know what they need. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you can ask, and if they don't know, then just, just offer, like, just try to, to, you know, don't be overbearing, you know, but yeah. Depending on relationally, like um, where you are. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say. If you if you are, if you know someone who's had a miscarriage, and then if you are someone who has had a miscarriage, and you're dealing with that um, that sense of self love that's really hard to connect to. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, everybody's journey looks different, and I would just say, can you find more stillness to ask? Your body is wise, like I said. Your body is trying to get you to remember something. Mm. Can you find space to sit in that and ask what it is that you need? Because what worked for me, the writing, the not everybody's going to want to go take their clothes off and lay on the ice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So can you, can you just sit with what's there and ask the question and Mm. then also be okay with, again, like, just like I said before, if you're asking someone what they need, you might not always know what you need either, especially if that mind body connection is new. Yeah. Being okay to sit in the vastness of that question and not have an immediate answer and know that every time you come back to that space, there might be a soft whisper of this is what I need right now, you know, Mm. and that soft whisper will eventually grow into a conversation, right. And you're always having that conversation with your body. And I think that, you know, our bodies are just asking to be loved, right? Yeah. You know, they yeah. they hold our soul and keep us here for this incredible short experience. And it's just like, can we find more gratitude? Yeah. Both and can we sit with the pain? Can we sit with the grief and allow that to be there? Yeah. Know? Yeah. Oh, so beautiful. So beautiful. <laughs> you just took my whole experience right out of my mouth. <laughs> so beautiful um savannah i'm so grateful that we met i'm very very grateful that we met i'm grateful for your journey your healing what you're giving back to the world and i'm excited to just see what's next definitely excited to see what's next so thank you so so much for doing this and sharing your story and (sighs) 
your truth, your vulnerability, all the things, all the things, all the things. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm just, I'm just amazed and so proud. And uh, I just can see you going so far and I'm just rooting you on. So <laughs> let's get together. Yes. <laughs> let's, let's rise together. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you so much. And we will be right back. One of my favorite things to have at home with me when I need to just unwind and relax my mind and my body or when I'm in those really deep healing spaces and just need something to bring me back to center are candles. Vintage Essence is a black woman-owned company that specializes in candles, wax melts, and car diffusers. I also love my car to smell good. VE's goal is to provide you with items that make you feel comfortable and relaxed and that make your home your jam. Who doesn't want their home to be comfortable? Who doesn't want their home to feel safe and smell good and to feel cozy? Go to VintageEssenceCo.com and use the exclusive code that was created for our listeners, Voices15, to get 15% off your order and become a candle cousin today. Listen, y'all, my favorite candle is Hookah Lounge and Rest Your Cakes. I was able to get some samples of Rest Your Cakes Hookah Lounge was in a sample box that I got that she that Vintage Essence did during Valentine's Day. I brought myself a cute little Valentine's Day candle set and brought myself some flowers. Ladies, don't ever think you can't buy candles for yourself on special holidays also. Hmm. Beautiful scent, long lasting, just like filled the room so quickly, but so softly at the same time. These candles were definitely made with love, definitely with prayer hands, knew it like it's like the the candle knew exactly what I needed when I needed it. So don't forget to use code voices15 at vintageessenceco.com. y'all good yeah i so loved that interview with savannah um savannah is such an amazing amazing person her voice is so soft and i love it i think that's also why i loved it so much but also um she is also a person who shares the practice of yoga um and there's a deeper understanding as to how much yoga is healing for the body right even even off the mat because i want us to move away from yoga being just this practice on the mat but what happens when you don't get to your mat that day and you only sit and be still right yoga is also what you say to yourself and others your thoughts how you you know it's non-stick like it's a bunch of different philosophies um a different a bunch of different things that requires a whole different episode um but i love when savannah said you know we're here in this bodily form as the you as as a replication of the universe of god to experience life um that's not verbatim but the recap and that was 
so powerful um and that sat with me a little bit longer because we are there are things that we are going to experience physically with our body that taps us into the soul of our body um you also heard us mention the dark night of the soul um there's a book called yoga and the dark night of the soul that i've been reading and it's powerful it's powerful i um I advise everyone to tap into that book. Um, but I hope this was this was fruitful. I hope it brought some awareness and some healing and allowed you permission to release shame about your body, especially bodies that are able to give birth um, or produce babies and grow babies. And even men, right? Even men who um, want to have babies but have you know challenges with sperm count whatever that looks like right there's something that can still be born out of the things that we desire and we don't we end up not having there's 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 that space when you go into the dark night of the soul and really look at what like what can be born from that right um there's treasure in the cave Mm there's treasure in the cave but you can't find it unless you go within and sometimes you have to go beneath the surface of that pain beneath the surface of that scar so i hope this blessed y'all i love y'all namaste sounds drive